Okay, everyone, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast brought to you by Reliable Tech Help. For all your IT needs, call Reliable Tech Help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliabletechtekhelp.com. I'm your host, Digital David Snyder. Today, our guest is Claire Shank with Homepage Realty. Welcome to the Remath, excuse me, welcome to the Respect the Math podcast, Claire. Here we talk about everything. Thank you. We talk here we talk about everything from technology to business, science to popular culture and more, mainly the things that I'm interested in because I'm kind of selfish that way. So thanks for being here. Tell us more about yourself and uh, what you do. Well, I'm a residential real estate agent. Um, I have been in the business. I got licensed in 2007 in Lexington, um, but I've been doing resale in Louisville since 2013, 14-ish. Um, I love it. And it's the market is crazy. But the best part about it is the people that I get to meet. And um, so, you know, I've years ago, my first mentor said to me, find something that you, when you're doing it, you don't know the difference between a Wednesday and a Saturday. And I never thought I'd be able to find that. I just felt like I was going to, you know, everybody, yeah. it just seems like growing up, all my parents, friends and parents, it just seemed like everybody worked just to work, just to pay the bills, just to get by. And I feel like I'm really, really lucky in the fact that I've found that. Like, I don't even, what's today? Tuesday, but it could be, be Saturday and I wouldn't even know. Yeah, and that has a unique significance in real estate because you're working Saturdays and Sundays and there's really no difference between a weekday and a, and a professionally. I saw it? a meme to, this morning actually about how a realtor loves Friday to a realtor means it's close to Monday. Okay. So it's like it's close to their day off and everybody else is like, it's yeah. Friday and everybody's excited. So. so so if there is such a thing as a day off in that field, it's probably going to be Monday if it happens. I think Tuesday is the best day okay. because Monday you're kind of following up from everything that happened over the weekend and you're touching base with people that took the weekend off or, you know, so mm-hmm. Monday I've found that I'm pretty busy just following up from everything that I've done the past couple of days. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is kind of the day where I can kind of get some stuff done yeah. <laughs> outside of real estate. Yeah. Um, in the real estate business, tell us about, I'm assuming you're a high volume seller, you're high transactions. There's a lot of folks out there claiming to be real estate people. And then there's like, what, 5% of them they are actually it's doing the lion's share of the I selling. I think that, you know, people think, it, you know, it looks fun. You see HGTV, you see million dollar listing, you see all these shows that like really portray this business to be, really easy. And I think people are misled by what we do and our value. So, you know, I mean, look, people say they hate for sale by owners, but I bought a for sale by owner a few years ago and I make a lot of money on it. So for sale by owners, as long as they'll work with agents, I like them. You can usually get a deal with them, but they, they're always leaving money on the table. Talk more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, conventional wisdom is I'll bypass this 6% commission, three to the buying well, agent. What three people to the- don't realize is that if you're a for sale by owner and you're not going to pay that other agent, you're really just, well, you're cutting both of your legs off if yeah. you're not going to pay either agent because these buyers, especially in this market, they need to be represented. I mean, they need, I'll tell you a story, which I probably shouldn't tell, but I'm going to tell this story. So there's an agent. She's a friend of mine. I have a lot of agent friends that I just love to synergize with. I love to get their ideas. I love to give them ideas. I think let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's just share ideas. Anyway, she had a pretty high, um, high volume buyer. It was, let's just say it was over 700,000 and they bought something. They were looking at something on a Sunday and 
met an a, not an agent, um, a, an owner, mm-hmm. and they started talking. Well, the owner said we're about to list and got their agent involved. Well, the agent took them and wrote the contract. They did not even call. It's, Oops. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't. Have we said can that. we can edit that okay, out. Sorry. Yeah. They did not even call her to tell her this was going on because they didn't want to bother her. So um, they call her the next day on Monday, and they said that they went ahead and put an offer in without her, and they put a $30,000 deposit non-refundable down. Oh, my gosh. And they have to sell their house, and they their house in, I don't know, let's just say it's in Montana or something. It's not in Kentucky, but they have to sell it in order to close on this house. And they didn't write that in, and they only have, I mean, it's supposedly it's like 200 acres or something. It's going to take a while. Sure. People are going to have to get surveys. It's going to take some time. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I guess the reason I'd like, you know, to get this story out is to let people know it is so important that you have an agent to guide you because, and you want to have a relationship with that agent. I always say trust and transparency. That is the most important. I think it's kind of crazy when people will call me and be like, they don't know me at all. They want to go see a house and they want to use me as their agent. Look, I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to complain, but to me, it's the most expensive thing you're ever going to buy. Whether you're buying a $50,000 investment property or a $1.5 million mansion, Mm -hmm. it's the biggest investment, no matter what spectrum you're on. Mm -hmm. So, don't you want to trust and know the person that's representing you? You know, it's unbelievable that these people, they just want to see the house and they want to do it right then and there and they want it done so fast. And it's like, make sure you're represented. Make sure you trust that person. Make sure they have your best interest at heart. Because a lot of these agents, I sort of sort of went on a tangent there, but a that's lot okay. of these agents get their license because it looks fun, it looks pretty. It looks, you know, it looks like easy money. Glamorous. Yes, yeah. and it's... It's not. I mean, I'm on my phone 24-7. My kids, my family, you know, they're amazing. And my husband especially, because there's been many weekends he's a single dad, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and he doesn't complain. Because if somebody wants to see a house, I need to get them out within 24 hours. I mean, that's just the way the market is. Wow. So them to be having a chance to get a a competitive bid and get in the process. Right. You've got to get them there within 24 hours from that first contact. Now, oftentimes, listing agents will give us the opportunity, like they'll say, we'll review all offers by 12 12 p.m. on Monday. Mm -hmm. But still, you want to get them out there as early as possible so they have time to think about it, Mm -hmm. you know? You don't want to get it. It's terrible for these buyers that have about an hour to make one of the biggest decisions of their life, Mm -hmm. you know? You mentioned people not understanding the value of having a good, experienced, professional realtor. It reminds me of like going to court, you know, outside of small claims court where you're suing somebody for a $200 mailbox they knocked down. Outside outside of that scenario, would you ever go to court without an attorney to represent you, someone who's navigated the process and has the experience and the training and the credentials to do that? I think that analogy applies to real estate. One thing I tell people in my, in my professional life in the tech space is, you know, most folks don't push back at what we charge for our, our hourly rate. It's $100 an hour in full disclosure. Sometimes they do. And I say to them, and I say to them, look, this is nothing personal, but if you don't see the value in what I'm doing, 
I would rather not do business with you. I'd want you to do business with somebody at a rate and at terms that they, that you find a good value in. And quite frankly, I think if you add up my 18 years of experience doing this, my reputation in the community, uh, I can speak from experience. Well, thank you. You're worth it. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. And the quality of the work, I think I'm a bargain, much less not worth what I'm asking. So, um, it's a little delicate when you're talking to someone about that because that you know you don't want to step on any to- anybody's toes or offend them but i want i'm enthusiastic about what i do i want people to be enthusiastic about their business relationship with me and to think it at, especially at the, when you're going to give them you know your money to do the service for you mm-hmm. you want them to be excited about it yeah and so following up on that i took a few notes earlier i wanted to talk to you about some things that are unique about the current environment um, it started, what, about a month after COVID hit? So we're talking March. 20- well, I mean, if you want to go back, 2016 was really when. It's been that long that it's been this mm-hmm. hot? Huh. 2016 was the first time I had ever gone in an offer. And I, I sat there and thought, what can I do to win this offer? I, I had not experienced this many multiple offers. I didn't. It was a gorgeous house. I knew he wanted it. And he basically told me, do whatever you have to do. What triggered that back that far? Because I think most people listening would think, think it was COVID, pe- people sitting at home. Well, lack of inventory back, you know. What triggered that, though? Do you know? I mean, was there a interest rate change by the Federal Reserve or some some other time? And if you don't know, that's, you know, that's you know, fine. I, I don't, re- I can't really remember, to be okay. honest with you. I just, I will never forget. It was on South Shelby Street in Germantown. And it was an adorable house. And he was a young guy. And I was like. I will tell you this, I fall in love with most of my clients, especially if they're nice to me and they appreciate my, if they understand my value Mm -hmm. and I take it so personally and I want so bad to do a good job because I've fallen in love with them. Mm -hmm. So, um, I fell in love with his whole family, his dad, his mom. So I, I just, I just sat there one night, what can I do? What can I do? And I thought, what if we go in and we we go in and we have an inspection, but we go ahead and straight up and say, we're not going to ask for any repairs. And I'd never done that before. Hmm. So, and I think the listing agent was blown away that we were going to do an inspection, but we guaranteed to not ask for any repairs. Mm -hmm. So that was my first experience doing that. This was interesting. So then 17, 18 hit, it still got really bad. And I'll never forget, I was pregnant in 18. And one of my clients was exact same amount of pregnant as me and she couldn't find a house. They had a budget that everybody was in. We tried so many times and she just started crying one day in the garage. And I gave her a hug and I was like, we're going to get through this, I promise. And so I started thinking of different things to do. Well, people were starting to wave appraisals. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm not going to let my clients do that. And this is how I used to explain it to them. I said, guys, I will full disclosure. I always give out the facts. This is what buyers are doing now. They're they are literally bringing money to the table to cover that appraisal gap. But that's basically taking that cash of yours, putting it in the toilet and flushing it down. Mm-hmm. Like there's no investment in that. But 2018, that's what people were doing. And now, well, it was a few months after COVID. I had my house listed Super Bowl weekend of 2020. Your personal residence? Yes. Oh, okay. And we went under contract and COVID hit. And I remember that first March, April, we didn't know what was going to happen. They came out with a form that basically anybody could walk away from a contract due to COVID. Um, I had an investment property under contract that my brother-in-law and sister owned, and they walked away due to COVID. I mean, people were so scared. But then, 
fast forward a month, I mean, it went totally the opposite insane. direction. Yeah, insane, and that's yeah. it's been like that ever since, really. Yeah, and so it's interesting how the free market, if you let people who are enterprising and creative do what they do and respond to the marketplace, you'll come up with creative solutions. So it sounds like pri- prior to 2016 and then the COVID surge, um, buyers had more leverage over um, sellers in an, in, a, in an environment where the inventory is high. But once that inventory drops then the sellers have more leverage. And so what can the buyer and the buyer's agent do to make their bid more competitive? And that is take away things they usually took for granted, waiving appraisals, um, inspections, waiving inspections, um, lowering commissions, I'm assuming sometimes from the, the real estate. I mean, whatever. You no, know, I haven't seen much of that, believe it or not. And I, I would be upset, honestly, if some of these, like as a listing agent, if these buyers tried to lower their commission, because I mean, guess this is to everybody listening. Like, these buyers agents out there are working their tails off. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're some of them are writing like ten contracts and not getting any for the same people. Mm-hmm. Um, These are good solid bids that would have won the house five years ago, but it's correct. a totally different environment now, right? right? Like yeah. right now, it's almost even crazy, and this upsets me. And this is a whole nother story. But a lot of agents, if you have a FHA or a VA loan, and there's multiple offers, well, cash is pretty much going to win every time. But mm-hmm. then they're going to take the conventional loan, and they're not going to take the FHA or the VA. So a cash bid, all things else being held equal, will win typically because as, because as of the closing the right speed. Price. I mean, it's funny because people, I get the question, well, what will cash do for me? This was back um, maybe right as COVID hit. I think it was like May or June in COVID. And um, I had one of the moms helping a couple. Their, her, their parents were going to do cash for them to help them get the house. And she expected to be able to negotiate, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars mm-hmm. $40,000. And she, and I just, she said, what can cash do? And I said, it can get you the house, but you're going to have to go full price. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not have to go crazy over, but. So if you're bidding against somebody, same terms, same bid amount, but you come cash and they're, they're, they're a mortgage essentially, you have an advantage. Is that because you can close faster with cash and it's Correct. just a simpler process for the, are the closing costs and things le- like that le- less or the problem? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, That's yeah. what I would think. Okay. Yeah, there's not as much closing costs at all. Okay. But I mean, okay, here's another one. We went under contract. It was a s- small home in J town and we got 10,000 over right away, but we got a cash for full price. Well, I felt like the $10,000 over right away was a pretty solid offer, but it was still a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, but this kind of goes with what they're, you know, everybody has a different personality type. And my client was very much, she wanted to take the safe route. If it were me, I would have taken that $10,000 over and rolled the dice because it was all very solid, mm-hmm. but she wanted the cash. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so I have that dialogue with all of my clients because what I would choose is not always what my client would choose, mm-hmm. but it's my job to give them the facts. Mm-hmm. So, and I, that's just what I try to do. How many houses do you think you average uh, selling a year? Probably around between 35 and 40. Okay. And is that up in, in the higher tier of? Well, I think probably this year might be a little bit lower. I will say with inflation, my price point has gone up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Okay. So I wanted to talk about um, the commission. Uh, when my wife and I bought the house, I mean, we are in now. Um, it was a sticking point and it was prior to the, the surge, obviously, after COVID. And so we had a little leverage, but the appraisal came in significantly lower than the previous homeowner was expecting. And she was pretty devastated about that. And to help make that deal go through both our 
real estate agent and the seller's real estate agent compromise, I think like a third of each of their commissions. And we didn't ask them to do that, but they did it to make it go through. Um, is that just another example of a creative workaround you can do as a real estate agent to help make a deal go through and Yes, what, what I mean, your, I hate your... to promote that because we work hard. We have kids. We have family. And it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. I mean, yeah. we we all work for uh, to pay bills, you and know. And you, you think it sets a dangerous precedent? Everybody I just don't wants. like to average. Look, if it comes down to it, I could give you many examples where I've worked with people, um, you know. <clears throat> but I just don't. Just you want to just trust your person. You want to make sure they have your best interest. And if they have your best interest, yes, they're going to take a cut on something somewhere. Sorry, I keep saying that. Um, But, you know, that is kind of what we do. We have to find solutions. I mean, every day there's a problem. And I always try to prepare my clients. Here's the thing that I think is of most important. Whether you're listing, whether you're buying, sit down with an agent, talk about the market at the time, figure out what you're going to experience. I mean, I was at a listing appointment last night for almost three hours because they're in the price point. We'll probably list around 250. It's in a, it's in a pretty crazy price point. So I need to prepare them for everything that could happen. And I literally go over almost all scenarios I possibly can because I think that is what is the scariest part about this business, the unknown and so many things that can happen Mm -hmm. out of my control, out of your control, out of everybody's control. But you have to have somebody there that is a good problem solver. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I, I like to think that I am. So, you know. When I hear you talk about your relationship with your clients and how you connect with them and try to be an advocate for them, them it reminds me of the term fiduciary in the financial world Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're invested in what's best for them and you're going to do what is best for them regardless of how that might impact you or your commission or whatever it might be well Uh, going back to all these agents it looks glamorous it looks fun you know i i try really hard to really make sure that my clients are happy so that even I don't care about that closing. It's not the closing for me. I want to make sure two years after we're closed that when I talk to them, which will be before two years, but when I talk to them, even after two years, they are raving about the house. In Mm -hmm. fact, one of my clients was texting me this morning and they're putting a pool in and everything. And I saw a house go for sale on their street. And I, I jokingly was like, I saw Rudy Lane and my heart dropped. I thought it was you all. And he was like, Oh no, we're never moving. We love this house. Thank you so much. You know? So it's just like, and they've sent me so many referrals because they're so happy with where they are. And that's, to me, that's everything. I had a very, he's become a very close friend, but at the time he was more of a, just a new client, but a very successful guy. And he said, I never worried about the money. I always did right by my clients and the money took care of itself. So it's yep, perfect. Way that to sounds it. like you have the same philosophy. That's great. Um, can you talk a little bit about the things that impact your industry, like interest rates? Uh, we, the Federal Reserve has been indicating recently they're going to raise them to help fight off inflation. They raised them yesterday. Okay. Well, yeah. was it a... I don't know too many details about yesterday, okay. but I it was like five this morning. I got a text from one of my clients with a pre-approval, and her interest rate was 5.5, and I was like, that can't be right. No way. That's wow. Right. So, I mean, she's... Did she know, have this, bad credit or, uh, or just I not, don't know. I huh. mean... That's I, really I high, right? Too, I mean, it's pretty high. Yeah. What's a competitive rate now? Three something? Well, so I have a um, a physician that's getting a physician loan that has a 3.9, which is really good for a right now. A physician loan? Mm-hmm. What is that, sponsored by some physician's group or something? Well, or I, professional? It's a, it's a loan provided by the government that they basically do 100% huh. financing once these um, medical students 
go to their residency. Uh, so it, it kind of goes, it's based off what they're going to make. Interesting. Okay. And that's a federal program. I never heard of that. I believe it's a federal okay. program. Okay. It's so, some type of government. Yeah. Okay. Very neat. Okay. And so tell us about that process and what was unique about that. And outside of the interest rate, obviously, is that the only thing or? Well, the interest rate is still pretty low, but it's 100% financing. That's so that's appealing. what that's okay. what they love about it because, you know, they're just getting out of medical school. They're in loads of debt, but they're going to be eventually be making money. Yeah. So they have a little bit of a leeway to get into a home, start their residency, start getting some paychecks. And, and start know. paying off some of those student loans, which exactly. most of them have, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, is this where an area where you kind of lean more on um, the administrative staff at your your homepage realty and or the mortgage officers you have relationships with? Yes. Okay. I think that you're the people that you have around you are of most importance. I mean, you have to, they are you, I mean, they portray who you like Ralph. I use him all the time as my mortgage. Lender. Let's give him a plug. To yes. Ralph his name. is with guaranteed mortgage. He's with, um, uh, Ralph and Nostrand with guaranteed yeah. mortgage. Guaranteed rate, right? Guaranteed rate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed rate mortgage. There um, you go. Yeah. He's great. He's a great handholder. He's a great, he explains everything. He gives you all the details. And that's what I love because I have so many fires that I put out on the, the house side that I really need somebody that's going to take care of that loan process. I really mm -hmm. try to stay away from the loan as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I also try to str stress to my buyers, a lot of people, especially friends and family, they don't want me to know their financial situation. Oh yeah. Cause that is private yes, information and, and you I don't totally necessarily need to know that, that to do all your I job. All I want to see is a pre-approval of how much you can afford. And that's all I care about. Okay. What are some examples of other people or resources that you lean on to help, help you best advise your client and represent them? I'm assuming do you have relationships with personal bankers, um, other real estate agents in case it's an issue. Well, I've always been of the belief that, um, being kind and friendly to other agents is a huge advantage. And I don't think a lot of agents see that advantage. Um, you know, I've won a multiple offer situation because I knew the agent and I communicated with her as much as I possibly could let her know it was going to be a smooth, easy process that I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, at, there was a form that came out yesterday. It's a coming soon form, which I'm sure everybody in Louisville will be seeing soon. Tell us about it. Well, I don't know too much. Um, it came out yesterday. It was rolled out yesterday. I actually had some clients sign it last night, but I have to get some more clarity on it before I actually put it in the system. Mm -hmm. And I have a meeting tomorrow for that. But from what I'm assuming is that you have 14 days up to no more than 14 days that you can put a house on the on the MLS. So okay. it won't go to Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, but it'll be on the MLS. Um, so if like you're set up with an agent um, on a listing alert, if you and this is what I assume, so I, I don't know for sure, but mm -hmm. it'll get emailed to them right away. So they'll see that it's coming soon. Hmm. However, we're not allowed to show it. Is this through Homepage Realty? or is This it? is, no, the Greater Louisville Association of Realtors. Oh, is it really? Okay. Mm -hmm. GLAR, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Another term that you mentioned earlier, people uh, might not be familiar with, is the MLS. That stands for Multiple Listing Service. Mm -hmm. And that's the go-to database resource for, for not just houses that are listed, but rental properties and... Land. Okay. Commercial. Yeah. Everything. Just want to make sure we explain that for people who are listening that aren't. Yes. And agents who have, um, you know, who pay to have that as a service, we mm. can set our clients up so that they can log on. So I have some, some people that'll just log on just to see what's out there. Our realtor, uh, incidentally actually, um, listed the rental house that we have in Hikes Point on there for us for free because it didn't take much of her time. And we found some really great 
candidates yes. and the tenants that are there now are already on their second, um, almost approaching their third one year lease. And it, it worked out really well. So uh, I don't see how you could be in real estate and not use the MLS. I mean, that's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you really can't. There's some old people that, you know, pre, pre-internet, pre, yeah, yeah. pre-internet people that will yeah. do it, but, but they haven't, they have a 30 or 40 years of yeah, they residual the business and, and uh, people are referring, they're probably getting referrals from people they don't even know at that point. And right. Yeah. That makes sense. I can see that. Well, and then there's a lot of people that have their license just for other reasons, just to save money and investors and everything. Oh yeah. I didn't um, think about that. And they're not members of the greater Louisville association of realtors, which the MLS. Yeah. Okay. Tell us some things about Homepage Realty. How long have they been around? Are they a local company? What makes They the- are. So uh, George Barrett and Carrie King um, started it in 2014. And I was actually at Keller Williams Louisville at the time. And there was three agents at a, my age I was pretty close to. They all went over there. And they, well, two of them have been there since. And I have just, I've been watching them. They're really good at their social media. They do a lot of great things for us. And, um, so they were on your radar even when you were with another. Yeah. I had always kind of watched them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I went over to EXP and those are the really, and then I just had seen the social media and that's what, I mean, as you know, I struggle with technology. I mean, I can do it enough for my clients, but yes, but it's not, it's not my favorite thing and nor mm-hmm. am I very good at it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, technology is tough for me and homepage realty, they have an entire green room, green screen room with videographer, photographer. Um, they'll go on location with me, you know, and it's all free, you know, mm-hmm. it all comes, comes with what. Oh, really? So they have in-house resources. Mm-hmm. So you, you've you got a drone operator who's taking um, aerial shots of the property. Oh, we have the most phenomenal photographers and videographers. Nice. I mean, the best of the best. Talk to me about that because I know from, uh, I'm a veteran of eBay. I, I buy and sell and collect a lot of things. And, you know, if you've got a listing for something that somebody else has listed the same item, but his pictures were done properly and with controlled lighting and in a studio environment, you're going to be drawn more to those, those high quality images representing the product. Talk to us about how important having aerial photography is good, um, just general photography from someone who knows how to, uh, compose, uh, because let's face, face it, taking photos of land and houses and particularly interiors. Cause I used to be in the creative space doing photography. That's an art form. Oh yeah. Yeah. And talk, talk to, talk to us about, um, you know, the people that you use, um, and how you think that, um, gives you an edge when, when you're, when you're comparing a property that might be listed, um, in, on several different sources. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I used to say 99% of the time your first showing is online. And now I've just said 100% of the time your first showing is online. Because sometimes you'll see, sometimes agents will post just one picture of the house, just the front of the house, and that's it. Wow. Nobody's going to go see that. I mean, they're just thinking, oh, gosh, what's in there? Fleas? Yeah, what are you hiding, right? Exactly. What are you hiding? Yeah. So it's very important that you have great pictures because yeah. they're not going to come in if the pictures aren't good. And look, sometimes I do think pictures can be a little misleading, uh-huh. but that's, that's their job. Agent's job is to get people in the door, to, mm-hmm. to get them 
to look at the house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to make sure those pictures are perfect. So I, I typically always do drone, even if it's, you know, in the middle of the highlands, just so you can see landmarks and different things around there. Yeah. Well, especially Um, in the highlands, that's what people are buying there for is that highlands aesthetic. Yeah. But I mean, like anywhere, even polo fields, I'll do a drone. I mean, as long as there's no, uh, no, not the no fly zone above it, but, um, you know, I just think it's important to see where it is in the, aerial view but yeah in that same area do you work with stagers much um i have more so recently they're quite expensive Mm -hmm. um so i try to really i mean i i feel like with my experience i have a little bit of knowledge to help people rearrange things and um you know make it look good Mm -hmm. oh so you do some of that yourself just kind of a quick i had a listing right before christmas and it was two brothers. They were amazing, but they were so busy. They didn't. They were selling their mom's house. They didn't have time to clean this place up. So they had gotten the stuff out that they wanted, but there was still a lot of stuff in there. So I went up and I organized it, put it in closets as best as I could, cleaned it, and I even grabbed my in-laws' leaf blower and I, you know, there were a ton of leaves on the property, so I blew the leaves out. And wow, you know, I just feel like everybody's got things going on. If I can help a little bit, I will. Yeah. Um, that's something I didn't even think of. Yeah. It's in your best interest. If it takes a little bit of your time and a little sweat equity to, I mean, I have up. an entire cleaning bucket and everything. Okay. <laughs> what are some other things that people might not asso- associate with what a real estate agent would do in the process, process of trying to list and sell a house that well, you've done or you've t- seen done? I will tell you, I have a problem of, I won't say no to people. I probably shouldn't advertise that, but, um, you know, I've got people sometimes that want me to make sure the lights are on for every showing and mm. the pillows are fluffed. And if they're out of town, I got to get over there and do it. And I really don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love doing this and I just love when people are, you know, they're, they're happy with either the house they bought or the house they sold. And if that means I've got to take 20 minutes out of my time to fluff some pillows. Fine. Mm-hmm. I have a listing coming up and, um, my lady doesn't have any, she needs some light fixtures. And I had some in my garage and we were talking on the phone and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got some light fixtures. Hang on. And so I just grabbed them and I just dro- drove them to her house oh, and okay. dropped them off. So, nice. you know, if I can help in any way I can, I will. Yeah. But there's also some things I just can't do. Yeah. I've talked to, you know, everybody knows a real estate agent or two at least. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've talked to many of them. I've, it's funny, I had a friend who's delving into it now, and uh, it was kind of an awkward situation for me because she was like, yeah, I'm doing real estate now. I hope you keep me in mind. And what I really wanted to tell her was, I know about 75 realtors, yeah. like, and I have pre-existing relationships with a lot of them, and obviously our B&I connection is, is an important deal. I would certainly, by virtue of the fact that we like each other and we've worked together and you're in B&I, which for people that don't know is a professional networking group we're in, but that would put you high on my priority list if I had a referral, you know, of that, of that type. So many amazing agents out there, you know, um, all I have to say is just make sure you interview them, ask the right questions, make sure they have experience, especially in this market. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not opposed to giving a young agent that's eager a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I just had a call from every time I close a house, I get a gazillion calls from ADT. And we all know that we (laughs) only use Jim Holnagel with ADT. That's Uh the only person I will use. And I tell them that every single time. Yeah. But they're still very consistent. Um, Persistent. Persistent. Yes. And And consistent, probably. They just, you know, they, they, 
they keep me on the phone forever and I don't have the heart to hang up on anybody. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, no, I have somebody at Jim Holnagel, but thank you. But they'll keep me on the phone and keep me on the phone. And it's like, you kind of want to give those people a shot. Like, so there's young agents out there that are eager and want to do a good job and, you know, give them a chance. You know, speaking of, speaking of ADT, um, that, that brings us to mind another topic I wanted to bring up. And that is, all the other things that happen when someone buys a home, you've got to get a home inspector. It's probably wise to have an electrician doing an audit of the electrical system. And I have the best, elect- we have the best electrician in the I country. Agree. Sean Shelton, yes. we'll give him a plug with Laswell Electric. Yes. Yeah. He's, and I tell you what, when I got into this BNI, that was like my main thing. I needed a good electrician. Mm-hmm. No electrician would call me back. Um, their prices were outrageous. Mm-hmm. So he was one of the first people I set and had a one-to-one with at Panera Bread. And yeah. I was like, I just need you. Like, yeah. Even if I don't get it, get the seat, I need you. And I, you know, I've, I feel like I've sent him a lot of business, but he has knocked it out of the park for everybody. And what's nice about Sean is his people skills are really strong mm-hmm. and he runs a tight ship. He makes sure everybody's on time and all the customers are, uh, calls are returned and things like that. But He's also an experienced electrician, so he knows every side of it in his role. I think as sales manager now. Um, so yeah, um, talk to us about some of the other things. Um, you probably want to get a good roofer to do a roof inspection. I mean, a home inspection is good, and you need to get that done. But I think, like you, as you said, the home is the largest asset ninety percent of the population will ever purchase will ever purchase or own. Isn't it wise to have a experienced roofer come out there and just do an inspection to go a little deeper than say what a home inspector would or? Well, this is what I always suggest my clients do. And I always like, no matter if you bought 20 times, I want to sit down with you and go over the process because I do it all day, every day. You've only done it 20 times in your life, which is a lot, but still it's always wise to just sit down and get a refresher. Mm -hmm. So I always say, get an inspection, home pest and radon. We're going to get the inspection back. We're going to see what's going on. So if they're, you know, if. Okay, that makes sense. If Eric says, look, that this needs to be inspected. This another is, another plug, Eric Hay Eric with Hay Haystack with Inspections. Inspections yep. Best inspector in the state. Um, he will say, you need to get a licensed roofer out. So immediately I call Andrew Hershey and mm-hmm. I say, Andrew, I need you out there. I need you to go look at this. And he's out there. I mean, we've got such an amazing group of people. I'll tell you, I mean, the reason I have excelled is because of RBNI. I mean, we mm. have some of the best salespeople, genuinely kind and honest people. And I think that's what makes our group so amazing because I feel like on a day-to-day basis, I see these people that'll they'll look at the HVAC and say, oh, this needs to be replaced. Yeah. And then we'll have another, an honest person come out and be like, oh, this is just a $200 fix. You just need this part. And what a value add you bring to the table with those resources, because I'm sure a lot of folks would say, oh, yeah, I know home inspectors. And they, I think his name's Greg. Maybe his name's Johnson. And yeah, he does home inspections. You don't have that. You have you know, Eric Hay, we don't want to go through everybody in the group, but you've got a list of people you have a personal relationship with. You've done work with these people. And not only that, you've seen them get testimonials from other people that you trust who've used them. Um, I would think when you're sitting down with your client, you can say, Hey, I I just don't have a generic list of A, B, and C. This person does plumbing. This person does electrical. I can go a lot deeper than that. 
uh, if need be with someone. Well, and that's what I, you know, contribute to a lot of the reason why I have excelled is because I've given this resources to my clients mm-hmm. and they've called these people and they've knocked it out of the park for me. And so they're going to remember that good. you did that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I love that I have this group of people in my back pocket. They've done a phenomenal job for me. So you best believe if they need anything from me, I'm going to do it. You mm-hmm. know? Like um, Tom had somebody that had a Stratton Hammond home, if you're familiar with the Stratton Hammond. I'm not. Tell me about it. And it, Tom, Tom Strohmeyer with Strohmeyer Tax and Accounting. Mm-hmm. Another plug. I need to start charging for these. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most beautiful house. It needed a ton of work. But and she, how do you say that again? Stratton Hammond. Stratton Hammond. It's a style of home? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. no, it's a, no, it's not a style. Sorry. It's an architect back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, so it was one in Cherokee Park. Or Cher- yeah. Cherokee Triangle. I'm sorry. And, Close enough. Um, I, it was beautiful, but she had gotten an offer off market. So I just wanted, I went over there to make sure the offer was that she was older. She'd been in the house for 40 years. Her daughter lives in California or Colorado. So she just wanted to make sure that she wasn't getting screwed. So I went over there and looked at it and I just said, you need to make sure you do this. And I said, make sure they pay. And I told him a little bit more, no realtor fees. You know, this is what you're going to ask for and make sure this is all done. Mm-hmm. And so just to make sure she's protected. And, you know, I feel like that's the right thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to charge her for making sure somebody treats her right, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, as long as you do that for people, then life will just give you stuff. Are you familiar with Zig Ziglar, the motivational speaker? So I've listened to your podcast with oh, Vicki. Okay. And it's funny because my dad is, well, I don't know how much anymore, but when I was little, all I heard about was Zig Ziglar. Yeah. And I did not, you know, I wasn't into quotes. And I mean, all I do is look, I feel like that's all I do these days is like, look at quotes. And I love being odd. Like we've, um, just some of the best quotes I've gotten from there. Sure. Anyway, my dad paid us, this was forever ago. He wanted us to listen to these Zig Ziglar tapes. Yeah. So he so paid he you paid to do it. <laughs> each of, I have two sisters. He paid each of us to listen to them. And I just didn't appreciate him at the time, you sure. know, but what was the one that you said yesterday? I'm paraphrasing, but it's essentially you can have everything you want in life as long as you're willing to help enough other people get what they want from life. I loved it. You said that, and I was like, oh, I need to remember that. I just love – I've never really been – growing up, I just – like I said, it was just like you just worked to make the money. You didn't work to help people. You just Mm -hmm. worked to make the money. And now it's like I feel like the more I help people, the the money will just come. Mm -hmm. You just – Continue helping people. Yeah. In real estate, it seems like um, you have people that kind of do it all and then other people who kind of specialize. I've met some real estate agents on the residential side that only want new listings. Like they're not represent, not helping clients go and find a listing. They just want to, they just want to say, Hey, I only want people um, who are coming to me to list their home. I I don't want to go out and find a home for somebody. Oh, so they're just a listing agent, not a buyer's agent. Right. And you're, and you see some of that in the industry, right? Some people just choose one or the other, particularly in like. I used to, that was a big Keller Williams thing. They had, uh, you would be on a team and you would have a a listing specialist and then Mm -hmm. buyer's agents. Um, That's kind of not, that's, I mean, in my opinion, it's kind of going away because you're cutting a leg off right away. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, Unless like, you just don't need the money or you don't have the time, yeah. why would you do that? You're starting the conversation off with a possible no. Someone comes to you because you're a real estate agent and 
yeah, I want you to list my house. Like, no, I only go find houses for people. I get that. But if you're in a context of a firm where you have a listing specialist, what would you call the other one, a buyer specialist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could hand it to that other person. But for you specifically and in the industry as a whole, you're thinking that's kind of a trend that is going away? Yeah, I mean, here's my opinion about just the business itself. I mean, when somebody hires me, they hired me for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they either felt like there was a connection, there was a trust, or they feel like I just, you know, I know my stuff and I'm going to protect them. Or someone they trusted referred you to them, that kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. If I send them to the listing specialist off to somebody else, I just feel like that's kind of, that's not why they hired me. I mean, Mm -hmm. they hired me to be there. So like I have a contract to close and I try to let my clients know that they can call her anytime if they have any questions or anything, but I don't want them to ever think that like I'm pushing them off on her. Mm-hmm. I'm just want them to know, Hey, if you call me and you can't get a hold of me, try calling Lizzie. I bet you could get a hold of her. Mm-hmm. But if I can, if not, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Are there scenarios where you're not a good fit for someone and you'll send them somewhere else? Um, maybe people have difficulty getting financing or something like that or, Difficulty financing, I'll kind of stay with them. I had one lady I met in probably 2014 who just closed in August. She had a difficult, um, she had a little bit of credit issues that she had to work on, and I just stayed with her. Um, You know, those credit repair people I've noticed have really made a lot of my clients mad. I don't (laughs) like to send them to my clients or send my clients to them because my clients don't understand that you know, if you give them that money, you have to do the rest of the work. Oh, yeah. You can't just give them the money yeah. and automatically the credit, yeah. you know. It, so it's hard. You know, I feel like I've gotten yelled at a lot about these credit repair people. So I just try to kind of help them as much as I can. Um, I've always been skeptical about those folks. I'm like, well, doesn't it undermine the integrity of the credit score process that some you can just pay somebody to go in and manipulate your score and make it higher? I was yeah. all, you know, it's like, what is the, does the credit score even mean anything? Someone can go from 540 to 720 in six months because they... In the rapid repair and all of that. I don't, right. yeah, I mean, it's... And most of that stuff are marketing gimmicks aimed at selling you like other forms of debt. Well, I feel like that's this whole world. Yeah. Yeah. So in your experience, they might be a good fit for some folks, but generally you try to, do you steer clear of them? Uh, Yes. And I, the only, I'm sure there are some good, good ones out there. I haven't found them, but I've just found, look, the people with, in in my experience, I'm not saying everybody, in my experience, the people with the bad credit, you know, they, they're on a tight budget. And Mm -hmm. so they hand somebody $500. That is, that is a, a lot deal. to them. And yeah. I don't think, you know, they just can't understand. And I don't think the credit repair people are good at explaining, like, this is not just a, you hand me the money and it's fixed. Mm-hmm. This is, you hand me the money and it's going to take six to eight months, but you're going to have to follow the process and you're going to have to listen to me. But none of them do. And they all just get really mad that they've given them that $500. So I've just kind of just tried to stay with them and help them with it and have whoever is the doing the loan kind of tell me what's going on with the credit if if my client allows and just kind of help them guide them in the right direction so you mentioned earlier um you said it used to be 99 percent of listings were bought pretty much online and now you're saying it's 100 well first seen online not well okay excuse me yeah i misspoke yeah first seen but but a lot of those folks i mean there's some sight unseen purchasing going too right i mean if you've got good pictures Yeah. Um, And one of them, actually, I just did. I had a, it was weird how we got in contact, but um, a loan officer from Colorado wanted an Airbnb here in Louisville. And she had gotten in contact with an agent that, look, 
her price point and her her criteria was not crazy, but is it was it difficult? Is it one of those that we're going to get in multiple offers that we're really going to have to work hard and pay attention to? Yes. So I guess you know the first person she called kind of just said You're, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to do it. So really, uh, just shot, shot her down from. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it, look, I mean, it is. That's why I'm saying, like, these buyers agents do work really hard, and I don't think people give them enough credit because it's yeah. in this market. I mean, for almost some of them are writing 10 offers for every one deal they get, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's gotta be exhausting and discouraging. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not really for me, but I, it, it's definitely for the buyer. And that's why that consultation up front is always important. I want to have that dialogue up front so that they can mentally prepare themselves for what they're about to jump into. Yeah. And it can be, it can be fun, but if you don't mentally prepare these buyers or sellers, they are going to be stressed out. They're going to be frustrated. And who are they going to blame? They're going to blame their agent. Mm. You mentioned Airbnb. So that's an example of a client you can help. So someone can call you from out of state and say, Hey, I'm building a rental portfolio or a short-term rental portfolio and go find me a house in this or that neighborhood for this or that budget. And you can help them. That's another. Yeah. Airbnbs are crazy right now. Um, you know, and it, like it was over there in sort of Germantown area, but you can't really reg- register them anymore because you can't register them. I think it's like 600 feet. So they're all basically taken up, but you can still rent them out. And I don't know all the details on that because I don't do rentals, but she she's doing it. And you don't handle the rental piece, but you can locate a rental investment property for someone, correct? Correct. And then you hand them off to property management company or whatever at that point. To, correct. Okay. But a lot of oftentimes they can't register for Airbnb. This whole Airbnb situation is kind of blowing up and. I can comment on that, by the way. Well, go ahead, because you probably know more than I do. <laughs> well, a little bit. Um, the rental that we have now it was the house I lived in when my wife and I met, and we hung on to it, and we did an Airbnb with it for approximately a year and a half, and then COVID hit. And minus a few speed, you know, not speed bumps, bumps in the road here and there with it, 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 was, a, it was cash flow positive, and it made sense financially. Um, I, what I tell folks who are considering doing that is it's very hands-on. And you're either going to pay somebody a nice fee every month to be hands-on for you, or you're going to do it yourself. Yeah. And for me, it, it wore me down. And I hate to say that, but COVID was a blessing for us because I didn't want to do it anymore, especially with a young child. And well, what I'm experiencing now is more so the, you have to register an Airbnb. We went through that process. Okay, did you... From start to finish, it was about six months. You, you probably did it early enough where you could. We did it early enough where we could, and it's also in Hikes Point. Are you familiar with Yorkshire over there oh, in yeah. um, Brookhaven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what we had working for us is there weren't a ton in the neighborhood where uh, what I heard uh, in Highlands, they were like taking up whole blocks, and yeah. that's where the ordinance went through, and people said, look, they're, go- they're going to their city council members and saying, I don't want my block to turn into 75% short-term rentals, and that's where they passed the, well, originally they passed the original um, zoning requirements. You didn't have to zone before, so the first thing we did was we got the zoning, and that uh, short-term rental zoning with the city, and that took about six months. Wow. It was a ton of paperwork and forms and going down to the city uh, office for that and I, I had to go in front of a panel of judges and advocate for I mean yeah it was a lot right well, I think they're probably I mean it's kind of gotten out of control in my and this is just me I don't again I don't do it but I've with I've had two listings in the past probably three months that I got so many calls about Airbnb and so one of them you couldn't register because it was too it was too six, close too close that was part of the but ordinance yeah my client had had it since 2011 and used it as a short-term rental mm-hmm 
So I was trying to express that to these potential buyers, but they were to so kind of upset get grand. Oh, yeah, yeah. that they couldn't register it. So they were like, absolutely not. So it was really, it was difficult. If you're running a legitimate business and probably half of those folks are and half aren't, you, you need to get the zoning because if they find out that you don't, it's a lot like not paying your taxes. They'll say that you've been operating this since January of four years ago and you owe us th- this amount of taxes and fees yeah. and all and it's retroactive and then they they penalize you with interest and penalty i mean it's it's a complicated process i'm not trying to deter anybody from doing it but for our personal situation that that like for an example we uh friday saturday and sunday of derby a couple of years ago we ended up getting like three thousand dollars that's pretty strong yeah but that that that, that that's derby and how often does derby happen right and so outside of like unique concert events and other things coming to the city, for me personally, the hands-on aspect of it outweighed the potential income from it. Um, it and we were fortunate enough to find great tenants that have been there for going on almost three years now on a, just a long term. That's term-. the key when it comes to rentals. Well, and, and what we found is there's no, there's no zoning requirements. You can own a, a rental property and just rent it. Right. You're not subject to short-term rentals. I just think everybody's kind of in this. It's like a fad right now, the, the short-term rentals. It's, that's where you make that quick, quick money. And I get it. And I think it's interesting. You mentioned Airbnb earlier. You know that you've done really well from a marketing and branding standpoint when the name for your industry is your company name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? no kidding. Like Airbnb is not the only company doing it. There's VRBO and a couple other uh, guys that I'm aware of. But, you know, Airbnb is like, you know, you go to the restaurant, I'll have a Coke. Well, it's Pepsi, okay? So, you know, yeah. yeah. it's the same thing. But that's what you ask for, right? And so it's a testament to them getting there first or early on, doing it well, well and then branding and marketing really well that a short-term rental isn't called that by most people. It's called an Airbnb. Right. Yeah. And I always, um, as a customer of theirs, enjoyed staying in a home as opposed to going to a hotel. So, I mean, it totally made sense. I've never stayed in an Airbnb. Oh, really? We've had a ton of great experiences. Some have been, you know, a little not as nice as they looked online, but nothing, no deal breakers. It seems like everybody loves them, but I think I'm an old school. I like my hotel room. I like my clean sheets. There's pros and cons to both. And you've got a, you've got tiers there too. I mean, you got some of the higher tiers where they have people come and turn it over for you nightly, just like it was. I didn't know that. Yeah. But then you're talking high end stuff. You're probably talking seven or $800 a night. Yeah, gotcha. so there's definitely a place for it and a market for it. Um, we, we've had really good experiences. And a lot of times you can find those uh, closer to where you want to be when you travel than a, you know, a given particular hotel. Um, so just wanted to mention that. You brought that up, and um, I've got some personal experience to, to lend to that. You know, if you run across a client who needs some help um, or some advice just from someone who's done it, feel free to... You Thank know, you. Give him yeah, my number. I don't. Yeah. My husband's a litigator, so he refuses to get any rental properties. But I and not know. okay because he's seen the yeah, yeah yeah. Nobody goes to court when everything went right. They only exactly. go when it went wrong. So. Yeah. Um, and in, uh, in full disclosure, he specializes in real estate law. Correct. Uh, yes. Well, so he's done a couple of different things, but yes, uh, for a while he worked over at a bank, um, kind of right after the when the economy was getting better and he worked there they, and they told him it was just going to be a short term uh-huh. where he got all of these crazy loans that were delinquent and, oh. and got him right. So, okay. Very cool. Um, he specializes really in contracts. Okay. So yeah. Contracts are a big part of law. Kind of what David does. David Cooper. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, anything else you want to tell us about um, your experience some value you bring to the table when representing a client, anything else about homepage realty or 
Have um, we covered covered most of it? I know, well, you had, I know you had a few bullet points you brought with you. You want to take a look and just make sure you... Oh, I was just going to give some just statistics. If Why don't you do that? This would be a good time for I it. I just was... Um, I was going to tell everybody just kind of what Glar was saying that the average price per square, or I'm sorry, the average price um, sales price in Louisville is right now, and it's two hundred eighty-two thousand seven hundred fifty-five. Okay, um, which to me seems a little low, but uh-huh. and then there was one thousand eighty-four homes that were sold in February. I got on the I got on the MLS this morning, and there was nine hundred thirty homes for sale. Wow. So, and that's it, that's historically you. low, right? Oh yeah. I, so in two thousand, and I've told the story at BNI. I remember in two thousand sixteen, like I said, that was the first experience where we were in multiple offers, and I really had to start thinking outside of the box. How mm-hmm. how is my client going to be different from everybody else's? And so, um, you know, I sorry. Um, sorry, I got distracted there. It's okay, we were talking <laughs> about low inventory. Um, Yes, and then, oh, in 2016 is when I I would get on the MLS and there was about 3,500 homes on the market. Well, then I started noticing about 3,000 homes on the market. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This is crazy. (laughs) So then after COVID, it was around 1,600, 1,500. Well, like I said, I got on this morning and it's 930. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. What do you see on the horizon from your experience? Do you see, obviously, interest rates that are probably going to... I think interest gonna... rates are going to continue to tick up a little bit. I'm hoping that we don't see six, but people have to when realize... When you say six, 2006? Or no, 6% six interest? 6%, inter- yeah. Wow. W- um, which is still historically great, because, I mean... That's what I'm saying. Our people parents bought houses that, with 18% though. mortgage rates, right? But these these young kids, you know, these millennials... Well, I guess I'm, a, I'm probably not... A, I'm right on the cuff, but... Or Gen X, whatever, or whatever this... Young generation folks, is, yeah, with their newfangled technology. Yeah, and, I mean they're coming in and <laughs> yeah, get off of my lawn, kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean they're coming in and they're wanting these houses and they're seeing these interest rates at three percent, four percent, and you know that kind of the money's cheap there. You can afford more. Yeah. So then when they now, the, especially the ones that have gotten pre-approved and just haven't been able to find something, and these interest rates are going up. It's they're thinking that this is awful and they have to, you know, they can't continue. They have to wait. Yeah. And it's like, guys, yeah, it's like you said, our parents, when they bought in the 70s, are, they're looking at 18%. And it was a bargain back then. Exactly. Yeah. But people just don't do, you know, they don't do their research. They don't, they just see that they've gone up and they start freaking out. Yeah. Short-term mentality. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan and he has folks call into his show and say, Dave, I, I really want to get into a, either want to upgrade and, and get a, better home or I want to stop renting and getting to a home right now but the market is so crazy right now and the prices are so high I'm gonna wait and you know what he tells those people and I never it's never occurred to me until I heard him say that he's like well look I have no crystal ball I can't tell you with absolute certainty what I think is gonna happen but he said his best guess as to what's gonna happen and he's been in real estate a long time is this is not a bubble he said that the rate at which the home prices are increasing may slow a little bit but that the prices are here to stay is what he thinks. And so he tells people calling in, expecting them to say, expecting him to tell them what they want to hear, which is stay on the sidelines. The prices are going to inevitably come down. He doesn't think that's going to happen. Well, um, I mean, he was he was right. I had a lot of people like in 2016 and 17 sell and say they're going to wait for this to, and they're still waiting. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean. 
And prices it, have significantly gone up, even if you bought in 2016. And if it shakes out that way, now, as high as it may seem, will be a bargain compared to six months from now if they continue to increase in value. So, Correct. And I think that goes back to uh, one of the age-old maxims of um, investing is don't try to time the market. Buy a home when it's a good financial decision for you. Don't try to sit on the sidelines and wait for things to come down because they might go up and not come back down. Well, I mean, who said it? Was it Warren Buffett that said... um, Greedy and nervous? Something about buy land because they're not making any more of it. Okay, there's that one. And then the other famous one is he gets nervous when other people get greedy and he gets greedy when other people get nervous. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... I've always thought real estate is the best investment you could possibly make. Um, I don't think it really matters what this, I mean, it does matter the situation, but what, I mean, the statistics right now are saying that homes are valuing 14% a year. When I first got in. 14% growth? Per year? Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Over what period? You well, know? this was just, just this since COVID started. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. That's still pretty it's, strong. Yeah, wow. It's very strong. Yeah. But I mean, it's usually 3%, you yeah. know? So that's what you can typically... So historically, you've seen real estate, residential, single-family home, that kind of stuff, is about 3% a I, year That's over what the I used run. to always do that sounds until about right. 2016, and then that statistics kind of went out the window, and they're, they're yeah. all over the place now. Okay. So, um, but it's still, you know, it's just, in my opinion, the best investment you can possibly make. Just make sure that you have the right representation. Make sure you trust the person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I always feel better about everything I do if I trust the person. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we haven't plugged Stephen Gibson in. He mm-hmm. is one person. He's the financial advisor in our BNI. Guidance Capital. Guidance Capital. Yep. Um, you know, I remember the first financial advisor I ever met, and he basically told me if I didn't have $250,000 in the bank that he didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I will never be talking to you. Yeah. So I go to Stephen, and I'm just like, Is that what? how he worded it, or was it a little more... I mean, that's kind of a how I heard it. I mean, that's not what he said, but okay. kind of what he implied. Yeah. So I go to Steven. I mean, he was just wanting to help me out in any way he can, any like way he can make this plan work this way to make this little bit of money. And he's so detailed oriented. He's got my yeah. whole life planned out. So, so I, are you a client of his now? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to have a great retirement because of him. Okay. Very cool. I hope at least. <laughs> and so you got a gut feeling about him. He's just, he's honest. He's genuine. He cares. He's detailed. He's, he knows what he's doing. And he took your account and your resources seriously, regardless of how small they might be compared the to The first time else's. I went to his office, I mean, we went just to kind of, you know, kind of meet, but I also was telling him, I don't have a financial advisor. I've, I told him my experience with the first one that I talked to. Oh, my husband set me up with his too. And, um, he talked to me over the phone and I ended up sending him some money, but I mean, he didn't really give me the time of the day and I'm not mad about that. He's got tons of clients that, you know, he didn't personal. Yeah. He didn't have time for me. So when Steven sat down with me and he cared so much and he just brought up situations that I didn't even think could happen. And, um, you know, he, he got me to get a will. Kelly Gannett did a will for me. Just, just things I would have never thought of. He had me do. And like, I feel safe. If anything happens to me, he's got a binder that it gives to my husband and everything's set. It sounds like he did the things for you that you you try to do for your clients. And in that sense, you you had an instant gut feeling that was good and it felt, yeah. You know, I think that's something in COVID world or this world that we're living in that's gone completely out of the window is customer service. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you know, we are all, we have all become entitled. We a lot have of companies all become, don't even have a customer service phone number anymore. It's an email. Or, I mean, you go to, you go to get your prescription filled. You wait 45 minutes. Half the time they don't know what they're doing. Um, you go, my car's been in the shop. I was told, this is a perfect example. My car, I got in a wreck during the snow squall. My car was in the shop. It's still in the shop. They told me two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I'm going on week seven. Wow. And it's like set up expectations. They told me it would only be two weeks. Now, I understand that we're in a COVID world and things happen, but remember that. So set up your client's expectations. We're hoping it could be two weeks. However, with the way that things are, it could be two months. Yeah. You know, is yeah. that hard? Just set up expectations. So that's what I like to do with my clients so that, you know, it doesn't come back on me when it doesn't happen perfectly because in real estate, it's probably rarely going to happen perfectly. Great. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, I like to end each podcast um, mentioning the nonprofit that my wife and I started. I was listening to this last night, but I'd like to, for you to talk about it a little bit more because like, how can I help? How can, I know you said you didn't, you would take money, but really you wanted time. Not asking for money. Um, I just know that at a certain point in my life, I needed an example of somebody who had been successful and was doing good in their community um, to motivate me and show me that you're not stuck. Like you said earlier, just working, just to be working, to have a purpose and to uh, get re to be rewarded by what you do. That can be in your personal life. That can be in your professional life. It can be uh, given back to your community in various forms. And one day the thought occurred to me that for people to be good, they have to see good. And so that, that's how see good to be good was created. And uh, the idea is just to get people have been successful and are doing and or are doing good in their community in front of people who need an example. They need some motivation. They need someone uh, who's done it to say, hey, you know, I'll put my hand on your shoulder and walk with you for a little while and tell you. So are you going to have like, like convention, like a convention? We'd or like to, uh, I don't know about a, uh, that's, individuals I don't want to, I don't want to rule that out. For now, it's a segment on the podcast. And I just, uh, I have all this low lying fruit with all these relationships with people that I have and people that have done well. And so I just like to ask them a few questions. If you don't mind, I'll ask you a few questions. What do you contribute to your professional uh, success to this point? What are the things that you've done that you think have led directly to you being successful? Well, I think, um, first of all, I worked very, very hard at the beginning. Um, I mean, I still work hard now, but I, I had a mentor and she taught me everything I know. And to me, she's the best in the business. And um, I followed her for, I mean, years. For the first probably two years, I took all of her buyers out and showed them houses. Didn't get anything for it. But you don't realize how important it is just the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you open the door, the way you show the houses. I mean, you really, it like, it seems that simple, but you need to have you need to have your way you go about things because you were getting reps like someone lifting weights. Yeah. It was it. like, but nobody wants to do that anymore because yeah. nobody wants to work for free, but I didn't see it as working for free. Right. And I still, I still would do it all over again. If because I you to. enjoy it. Because I saw my mentor and I thought if I could get, if I could learn from her, I could be good. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it was five minutes of meeting her and Another best, gut feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You best believe. I followed her around. I listened to everything she said. I watched her interact with other people. It's funny because her and I are nothing alike. Yeah. But she is the reason I know what I know, and she is the reason I'm I'm great at what I do. So you had an example early on that you could look up to and learn from, um, and uh, this person 
um, showed you that yes, they can. This can be done. And you, you said you were working for free, but you weren't. It working. wasn't working for free to me. But right. I guess it, now to you didn't get, get somebody a paycheck to, do to think that, about all the experience you got, they'd want me to pay them. But there's no. I was so in this business and any kind of sales business, it's really hard to learn because, I mean, especially back in the day, agents would look at new new agents and just think competition, stay away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to steal all my business. Mm -hmm. When in reality, we don't know the same people. We're not, we're probably never going to even, we'll probably never even do a deal together. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's so rare. Yeah. So why have that mentality? Let's just, let's share our ideas. Don't Mm -hmm. reinvent the wheel. Let's just try to help each other out. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I didn't want to, she knew what she was doing. So I was just going to work hard and I was going to learn from her and that's what I did. And um, I really think that, um, I think honesty, I think transparency, um, and I think people can can pick that up pretty quick. It's funny you mention that. I've met a, lo- a ton of successful people, like really successful, multimillionaires, business builders, entrepreneurs, professionals, you know, doctors, accountants, attorneys, that kind of thing. And not all of them are wonderful human beings, but probably 80 plus percent were. And the one thread that was common in most of those folks that I met and got to know pretty, you know, pretty personally was high levels of integrity and character. Um, you know, from your experience, both with yourself and other people in your life, have you found that people can do right by people, have integrity, um, be kind, um, and still be successful? So I will say 100% they can. I just, I don't see it very often. Oh, so interesting. Well, well, that's what I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show is because I, I'm, I'm not out to pers- persuade people to the way I think. I've always thought it was interesting what people think and what they believe and why they think and believe it. And so I'm always, I perked up there when you said that because your experience is different and unique and I want to hear that. So you don't, don't name any names, but. Well, I just think, you know, every, what I have to remember is everybody is human. We all have done something that we regret. We all have, you know, made mistakes. It's a hundred percent how you come back from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Say I'm sorry. Say you messed up. You know, I and think, you don't see a lot of that. You see no. some folks who just won't own their mistakes. And no, clearly you don't know a whole lot of real estate agents. So okay, you're <laughs> I'm talking. Just kidding. Yeah. No, but it, you know, like in it's, general, or in the real estate game, or well, I mean, maybe just getting older, I'm getting bitter, but a little cynical. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like you know, you see somebody do something wrong. And I would have the utmost respect for anyone just to say, just own it. I screwed up. I'm so sorry. Like, what can we do to fix this? Yeah. But so many people just want to blame another person or throw another person under the bus or, you know, what I really love is like, um, you know, when somebody wants to call their boss and the boss stands up for that person, Mm -hmm. you know, like I love loyalty. I think loyal, when I know I've had some clients that, um, they had their house on, it was like something about sold or something. And somebody clicked it. Like, what will you sell for? I can't even remember what it was, but she called me and somebody had clicked it wanting to buy their house. And she was like, Hey, we just got this. She could have easily had them come in totally, you know, knocked me out of the deal, but she sees my value. She has loyalty. You best believe the Zayner family in LaGrange, I will bend over backwards no matter what forever for them yeah, because of loyalty. You know, something he, uh, people who have a cutthroat mentality or a short-term mentality don't realize is every per, every new person that sits down at the table to participate in an economy, 
the table gets larger. They don't realize that. And all they see is that they're going to take business. Or it's they're a zero take money sum game. There's a fixed amount of business. And if I have, I don't, I might not like it, but for me to pay my mortgage next month, I got to take business from somebody else. And they don't realize the economy expands the more people you have participating That's why I in it. I absolutely love what you're doing. And you have whatever you need from me, I will do because, well, thank you. you know, like I said earlier, there are these agents, these new agents that are eager. I was there once mm-hmm. and somebody gave me a chance and I will never forget those people. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. But I also had those people that didn't want to give me a chance because I was new and I wasn't experienced. And I'm hoping that now they see me and they, they, they possibly will give me a the chance. The next person now. that comes up to them after seeing your success and your, and your, um, helpful and kind nature, they might change. Yeah. That's yeah, great. That's my hope. That's great. Least. I think that's a great way to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for having me. This of, was fun. Of course. Thanks for coming. I always enjoy talking to people. Um, run it down. You're Claire Shank with homepage realty. Tell us your website, your email address, your phone number, everything you want people to know about you and how they can interact with you. Okay. So, um, I'm Claire Shank and it's S C H E N K at homepagerealty.com. Um, you can look me up on Instagram at Claire Shank realtor. You can look me up on Facebook at Claire Wepler Shank. Um, and I think that's everything. Give me your phone number. Oh, my phone number is 502-271- Seven 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 one. All right. We'll post this video. It's okay. On uh, the website. The website is respectthemath.com. Um, and also we'll um, put your contact information um, as part of the posting for that once we get it online. So people can look that up and ho- hopefully this will get you some business. Well, and I will say that if anybody out there has any kind of technology problems, David has the answer and you're just so kind and patient and I appreciate you and everything that you've done. He set me up with a new laptop, gosh, I think last summer and I've got it right here with me. It's, you know, it's amazing. And I know if I have any problems, not only can you fix it right away, you can literally get on my computer while I'm sitting there in my home and fix it. So I can't say it any better. It's your job is it's so important, especially in my business. You know, if I have a deadline at 7 PM and I can't get them to sign electronically. Who am I going to call? Yeah. Call on David Snyder. Well, thanks for that. And uh, we need realtors. So the feeling is mutual. All right. That's it for this episode of the respect to math podcast. I am your host, digital David Snyder. And our podcast today was brought to us by reliable tech help for all your IT needs. Call reliable tech help at 502-797-7399 or visit our website at reliable tech. That's T E K help.com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you.